You're listening to the Today in the Word radio podcast. This week, we bring you a five-part series of messages that George Slavin presented during Moody Week at Go Lake Bible Conference 1978. George Slavin was a Bible teacher and expositor and former pastor of Highland Park Baptist Church in Southfield, Michigan. Now, here is George Slavin on Today in the Word radio. We're in 1 John. And if you turn to 1 John, let's read in unison because it pays to read the Bible. Somebody said, and it was John Newton, that some people approach the Bible like an attorney does a will, looking for all the specifics and the technical words. But the believer ought to read the Bible like the heir who's in the will, listening for his inheritance, forgetting the specific terms. True? So let's read together 1 John and uh, in unison this little epistle called the Epistle of Love. But altogether, the first 10 verses. Together. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This, then, is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the word is not in us. Introduction was John giving us the reason why he gives us the epistle. There's always a reason behind what we do. John says, I write these things that your joy may be full. Not half full, not uh, empty, but full. And we looked at some verses in John 15 and John 14. And then he writes it that they may not sin. And I believe in sinless perfection. I don't have it. believe God wants it. Don't you? believe Jesus was sinlessly perfect. And God never condoned sin. There are four things God can do with sin. He could be ignorant of it, not knowing it happened, but that he can't do that. He knows all things. Or he could condone it, or he can condemn it. And that's what he does. He hates sin. Hates it in me. Made provision for it. If any man sin, we have an advocate, but he doesn't want it. And I can't excuse it with a cliche, well, no one's perfect. Can't do that. He hates it, I should hate it confess it. He forgives it. 
What is life? Is there anybody here that doesn't have physical life? Raise your hand. Oh, you got it. And if I said to you, well, what do you have? You have physical life when you, you got it when you were born. What did you get when you were born? What is physical life? How would you reply to that? Most people don't know. Some say it's metabolism. Herbert Spencer, who was an agnostic, I think gave us the best definition. Physical life, which all of you have when you are born, is communication between you, an organism, and your environment. He gave, God gave you five senses to communicate. Eyes to see, hear, smell, taste, and you have feelings. Take away four of those, and you don't communicate as much as the person with five. Take away two of those, like sight and hearing, and you communicate less than the person with those five. Take away three, take away all five, and you're dead. You don't communicate. Now, the dead person has the organism. He doesn't have the communication, which is physical life. He has eyes, but they don't see. He has ears, but they don't hear. You can put a rose under his nose, and he has a nose, but he doesn't smell. Put something in his mouth, he doesn't taste. He is dead. That's physical death. Now, the Bible also talks about spiritual death. Ephesians 2, you are dead in what? It's not trespasses, it's trespasses. <laughs> Heard of the little boy that thought he knew what it said and he prayed, Father, forgive our trash baskets as we forgive others who have trash baskets. <laughs> no, it's forgive us our trespasses, not trespasses, trespasses. I know because I went to Reformed Episcopal Seminary. <laughs> and when you did the liturgy, you did it correctly, not trespasses. Trespasses. Forgive us our trespasses. <laughs> the Bible says we are dead in trespasses and sin. Not physically dead. Jesus said, I come that you might have life. Well, not physical life. I had that. You don't have to give me that. They give you spiritual life. Now, the man who is dead in trespasses and sins has no communication with God. He has eyes, but they don't see him. He doesn't taste and see that the Lord is good. He has no feelings for God. He has no hearing. He has ears to hear, and he does not hear. Hey, in order to communicate and get physical life, you've got to be born either cesarean or normal birth. There's no other way to enter this planet Earth as a human being except by birth. No other way. No re reincarnation. No somebody coming out of the past. None of that. You've got to be born from the ingredients that God provides, which is the seed of the male and the seed of the woman, the sperm of the male and the ovum of the woman. And there is no other way that we know of to get birth. No other way. And there is no way to know God except through the means that he has provided, which is the incorruptible sperm of this, says Peter. That's the only way. Into the ovum of your heart, which is faith that receives it. And then when you receive it, that sperm of God, you are born again.
And the word born of God, the little word of is ek, out of, like exit, that's the way out. You are born out of God occurs again and again in 1 John. Talk about life. There is spiritual life. There is spiritual death. There is eternal life, which is whose life? God's life. He's the eternal one. And you don't have that unless he gives it to you. And when he gives it to you, then you have the privilege of knowing the eternal one. For how long? Forever. Oh, wait a minute. You die. No, no. He overcame that by resurrection in immortality. Now, the Bible talks about physical death, which is no communication with your environment. It talks about spiritual death, being dead in trespasses and sins. And it talks about eternal death, which is separation from God forever and ever and ever. I don't know what hell is. I don't think it's the middle age idea of a furnace and Satan with his fork saying, come on, shovel more coal. I don't think that's hell. There is a fire in hell called eternal fire, everlasting fire, that brings torment. I don't think it's the kind of fire <clears throat> that we know of where you put your arm in. Hey, that fire consumes. There is an eternal fire. So bad, says Dr. Barnhouse, that God so loved the world he gave his son to save me from it. And if it isn't too bad, if it's only annihilation and destruction, uh, so what? So you die and that's the end of it. But it's forever and ever and ever and ever. <laughs> Eternal life is to save me from that and to give me enjoyment and God forever and ever. Notice as we study First John some things about eternal life. First of all, that it's needed is because we don't have it. Jesus spoke of a greater need than physical life when he said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Such passages as Ephesians 2.1. And in this epistle, John says, 1 John 3.14, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. One of the proofs of being born again. Secondly, no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. And John's gospel records the meeting between Jesus and Nicodemus in the great passage of the imperatives of you must be born again. You must be born again. There are imperatives in life. You must breathe or you will die. You must get water or you will die. These are imperatives. And it's not you may have, it's you must. And the three imperatives of John 3, you know, the Son of Man must be lifted up. He must increase, and you must be born again. Now, Nicodemus didn't understand that in his natural mind. He said, you mean I am born of my mother once again? No. All your mom can produce is Nicodemus's. Call them by any other name. They're human beings that are dead in trespasses and sins. You need to be born of God and of God's Spirit, except a man is born of water and of the Spirit. He cannot know, he cannot see, he cannot enter. God's kingdom. Well, if that's my need, who's going to meet the need? Well, John talks about a promise, just to follow an outline. The need for eternal life or God's life or life with God or communication with God cannot be met by man. God has to meet it and take the initiative in doing so. And this he does, first of all, by a promise, 1 John 2.25. This is the promise that he hath promised us even eternal life. What is the promise? Eternal life. Who makes the promise? God. And who is the promisee? <laughs> Us. 
You buy something that goes wrong, you are the stucky. <laughs> but when you get a promise from God, you are the promisee. I'll let that sink in a little bit. <laughs> Romans 4, 13 and 25, where Paul elaborates on this, says, God made a promise to Abraham and to a seed fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That promise was by grace through faith. And many years after the promise was made, 430 years in fact, God gave the law, which came alongside of the promise as a consort. They shook hands and walked together. The law showing the need of the promise and the promise fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Law says, man, you need God's grace and you need to be born again and you need forgiveness and you need the Messiah and you need atonement. The law taught all that. The law didn't save anybody. It condemned if you broke it and all have broken it. It was a curse to show you that Christ took that curse upon himself. That's amazing. There was the promise. There was the need. There's the promise hovering over us way back in Abraham and confirmed by prophecy after prophecy, finally fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who is the seed, not plural, but singular in the book of Galatians. But third, that eternal life or that life is identified first with God. And we took, talked about that last night. God is eternal. God is self-existent. You are not self-existent. Man, if we hold breath from you for a few moments, you get purple. If you hold it long enough, you will die. You don't exist except on, dependent on God's air and God's increase and what God provides. He clothes the lily of the field. He feeds the sparrows. We're more important than that, so he does. Only God is self-existent. As Jesus said, the Father has life in himself. You don't. He does. He's eternal, self-existent, and, of course, perfect in all his ways. Now... If we identify that eternal life, which is God's life, hope you understand that. We're not talking about agelessness, not talking about time. We're talking about quality. Eternal life is God life. Human life is me. George Slavin's life is human. Animal life is the dog and the cat. Herb life, vegetable life is out there growing. It's different than human life. But his life, that's God's life. Now that life that's God's life is identified with Jesus Christ. Or First John says, that life which was with the word of God, that eternal life is manifested unto us. It was also found in Jesus Christ. When you teach the class of the deity of our Lord, you prove it by the attributes that alone belong to God were resident in Jesus Christ. Omnipotence, omniscience, eternality, self-existence. Or I would say to my class, close your eyes, and I'm going to describe a being that walks into this room, and you tell me what the being is. The being has four legs and a tail, and it barks, and I describe it. And they finally say with their eyes closed, must be a dog. And it is. Now, it could be a four legged being and meow, that must be a cat. Or it could growl, or it could be a lion or a tiger or a leopard. But when I say I want to describe a being that comes into your presence that can do all things, that has all wisdom, that is perfect, that has always existed, there is only one answer, that's God. Well, this being walks in with two legs. Well, that's Jesus who was one with the Father. 
isn't he? Very same attributes that are true of the Father are only true of Jesus Christ. Hey, what kind of life does he have? Eternal life, forever life. Self, he said, Father, my Father has life in himself. He has given to the Son to have life in himself. Therefore, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down, take it up again. I'm not existent on you. I always exist. I am that I am. And that's the name of Jesus. I am. That's God's name. Not any God. That's abstract. But Jehovah. Hey, there's only one Jehovah. And Jesus said, I am that. So we take that eternal life, which is mystical and not understood. It's God's life. And no man has seen God and lived. And he says, I'm going to give you that life. And that it's in abstract. How are you going to give me your life when I'm only a human? Like me talking to a dog and saying, I want to give you human life. Oof! Yeah, I got a dog. And I cannot, so I can't make the promise. But God makes the promise. He says, I'm going to take that life and show you what it is. I'll identify it with my son and with my spirit. Hebrews 9, Jesus was offered by the eternal spirit. This trinity that's a mystery, but revealed in the Bible. And you're a trinity. You're a body and a soul and a spirit, but you're a mystery. Show me your soul. Anybody here have a soul? Yeah, you got one. Show it to me. You can. I'll open you up. Where do I find it? Is it in your liver up here? Can't find it. Where do I find your spirit? In your teeth? In your heart? That muscle? Hey, we can transplant that. Oh, it's mystical, but it's there. I'm a trinity. I'm a body. I'm a being, a personality, and I have a spirit. That can be dominated by other spirits. There are many spirits going out into the world. And the believer is one who allows his spirit to be fused with, identified with the spirit of God. And he comes in, and you want him to be dominant and take control. Walk in the spirit, live in the spirit. Not a zombie, but in love like a man and a wife. So the two become one. Well, this, this eternal life <laughs> that's with the Father and identified with the Father and the Son and the Spirit is finally manifested to us. Now notice what we say in verse, page five, <laughs> item four. John writes, that life eternal was manifested. We have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father. Anybody doubt that God's eternal? And was manifested unto us. Hey, <laughs> Lord, how do you take that being that you are and reveal, manifest that being unto us so that we can hear and see and touch and feel? And God says, I'll tell you how I do it. Now, there are many witnesses of God. God does not leave himself without a witness. And one of the witnesses that we delight in is the witness of creation, and we talked about that, Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament speaks of his handiwork. Like a Rembrandt painting would say, if it could speak, Rembrandt painted me. Or if you could go to the Sistine Chapel and look at all the art, it would cry if it could speak in audible terms, Michelangelo painted us. Yeah, right. Well, the whole heavens, the sun coming out like a bridegroom, the moon taking up the tail at night, the stars so big that they've measured about 17 of them. And some stars are so big, you could put the sun in that star and bounce it around like a ping-pong ball. Who made the immensity of this planet, this universe, this world in which we live? 
Hey, they say if they could speak, and they do speak by their works. God made us. Well, that's a witness. We say it doesn't tell me enough about him, but it tells me he's a big God and a designer and a sustainer. He provides, and every day that sun goes round and round, or we go round it. We're not Pythagoreans. They held the earth was the center and the sun moved around us. No, the sun is the center and we move around the sun. So we have our days and our axis and our seasons. Great God did this. Is that the only witness? No, Jesus said, search the scriptures. They testify of God and of me. So Hebrews 1, we quoted last night, God, who at sundry times, divers manner, spake unto the fathers through the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us in his Son, who is the revelation of God. All the fullness of the Godhead, think of it, is in him. Condensed. If I could take, you ever see the Atlantic Ocean? You say, no, I've never seen the Atlantic Ocean. Well, hold it. I'll get, be back in a moment. And I go and get a bucket of the Atlantic Ocean. And I say, man, there it is, the Atlantic Ocean. You say, that's the Atlantic Ocean? Well, really, yes and no. It's limited to that bucketful. There's more. Well, Jesus said, if you see me, you see the Father. All the glory of the Father is resident in me. Angels bow down before the Son and cry, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And you say, I can't understand it. No, but that's what he is, resident in the Son and manifested to us. So John, who says, not only is there the witness of creation and the witness of Scripture, and we're on page 6, and the witness of Scripture, we have a new member class that some of our folks here have gone through. We teach it for nine weeks. Usually goes 11, but supposed to go nine. And we deal with these subjects, which are basic. If you want to join our church, you should know these subjects. What are they? Oh, bibliology, the Bible is the Word of God. And we deal with revelation, God revealing himself, not only naturally, but specifically in the book and lastly in his Son. And we deal with theology, not only bibliology, but theology, science and knowledge of God, and Christology, who is Jesus Christ, and pneumatology, who is the Holy Spirit, and what's his ministry, etc. Then we deal with anthropology, what is man, that thou art mindful of him. Well, what is he? And we deal with what we call hamartiology, which is a doctrine of sin, and soteriology, which is salvation. And then we deal with ecclesiology, the church, and lastly, eschatology, future things. It's a seminary course in nine weeks. We take it on, hammer it on. You walk out of the class saying, where was I? No. <laughs> then we give you a written exam, two and false and completion questions, and then you meet the deacons and give your testimony of your faith in Christ. But that's what the church believes. You want to join us, love to have you. Don't believe it, go somewhere else. You know, that's what we believe. Well, amongst this thing called bibliology, we deal with revelation and inspiration. The Bible is inspired, inerrant, infallible, the Word of God. We deal with illumination. You can't know it till you're born again, 1 Corinthians 2. And then we deal with interpretation. How do you interpret this Bible? Who said it? To whom was it said? What kind of language? Out of the history? And finally, you get to that's how you interpret the Bible. Oh, we believe that. Now, the other witness, 
that God has is the church. Do you ever read John 16 where it says, I will pray the Father, he will give you another comforter, and it's expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, what? Holy Comforter will not come unto you. Now when he has come, hear this now, unto you, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Not without you. You. You are the minister of the word of God to the Jews. You provoke them to jealousy. How shall they hear without a preacher? So you be the preacher. You say, well, I just believe that somehow and somewhere, through you. And if you don't do it, they will not be saved. No sovereign grace that says it doesn't matter what you do. Hey, the sovereign grace that says I will reach them through you. You are living epistles known and read of men. And if you go out of print, they will not read you. So the Holy Ghost will convict the world of sin, of unbelief through you, of righteousness, I go to my Father, and of judgment to come, and he'll do it through you. Hope you understand that. Holy Ghost came to abide in us. We are his temples. So John says that eternal life that was with the Father... And we could not find out what that was. Lo, came into our midst, into our range of reference, into a body prepared by the Father and born of the Holy Ghost and the Virgin Mary. And that eternal life which the Father had, now we heard a kuo, we saw with our own eyes, and we felt, reminding the Gnostics of the day that said anything that you could feel was evil. Anything that was material was not of God. God was too separate to ever touch anything. So they said that Jesus was one of many, many gaps between God and man, and finally he touched the... No, Jesus said, we touched eternal life. Let me quote John 17, where Jesus prayed. I don't know, maybe Brother Smell, how did the Jews pray? I don't think they prayed always like this. I think they prayed like this. Didn't they? They opened their eyes, talking to God. I talk to people, I don't close my eyes and say, dear, I'd like to talk to you a moment. I look right in the face. Better to look in her face (laughs) and hold her arms lest she strike me. No. I think they prayed like this. Father, he said, I thank thee that thou hast given eternal life. No. He said, I thank thee that thou hast given power, authority to thy son, that he should have power over all flesh. And that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given thy son. And Father, he prayed, this is eternal life. Live forever. No, we will. But this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So eternal life, which is a gift, eternal life is not quantitative. Eternal life is qualitative. It's to know him. I married my wife years ago. We heard the preacher say, I pronounce you husband and wife. Now I'm married. I have married life. Do you? Oh, yes. Well, what's married life? It's that little certificate. It's a marriage certificate. It's the license. No. It's your wife. Now get to know her. And how well do you think I knew her on the first day? Very little. How well do you think I know her after 10 years? Very, very little. After 20 little. I said to her once, I don't understand you. She said, let's keep it that way. 
<laughs> she did. I wrote it down, a little book. I got you. How well do you know him? Paul said, hey, I know him. Remember what Paul said? I know whom I have believed. Not what I believe. I know him whom. He also said, oh, that I might know him. Both are true. You know him, then walk with him. Talk to him. You have him. You have all of him. And what Dr. Brand has talked about is he gives you love and joy and peace. My joy shall be fulfilled in you. Hey, that's nothing touches that. It's John Newton that writes in a Marinius book called The Speaking from the Heart letters he wrote to people. He said, it's amazing to watch the saints who have such victory over great things sometimes and are defeated by the buzzing of a fly. <laughs> that little thing troubled you more than the big thing. Possible? Or you sit in an audience and you want to hear the word and somebody sucks their tooth. Now speak. Possible? Yeah, possible. <laughs> or the John Don writes years ago, I pray, I pray, but for the buzzing of a mosquito or the closing of a door or somebody coughing, and my prayer goes right out the window, and I don't know what I prayed. All I heard was, our Father, say, Lord, this overcame me. <laughs> Shouldn't be. You have eternal life. That's communion with him. Now, one of the breakdowns of marriage is lack of communication. Don't talk. Don't communicate. Slam doors. Don't bother me. I'm busy. Hey, don't break down. There are dangers to eternal life when you let it break down with lack of communication. So you communicated an attitude of prayer. You pray without ceasing, like you have an incessant cough. Well, that's what talking to God is. Not just uh, our Father who art in heaven, but all through the day, admiring him, praising him, blessing him, confessing to him, contemplating him, concentrating on him, eternal life. Witness of the church, eternal life is declared, we declare it, we have a mandate to take the gospel. We have the mandate, we have the men, we have the message, we have the means, we have the methods, we have the multitude to reach, and that's a message in itself. And then I want to say this in closing. Eternal life is a gift. You have eternal life. There are symptoms of eternal life. Do you have physical life? And sometimes I watch people in our church and I wonder. <laughs> Do you have eternal life? There are proofs of eternal life. What's that? Love the brethren. We know we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. No love? I don't know if you're saved. You believe the Bible, he that hath the Son hath life. You practice righteousness, he that practices righteousness is born of God. You don't practice righteousness? I don't know if you're saved. Just to say I'm a peach tree doesn't bother me. Are there any peaches? And if you have peaches, I don't have to see the sign. Hey, that's a peach tree. That's an apple tree. You bear fruit of eternal life. So John speaks of many things. Talks about koinonia. He talks about growth. He talks about assurance. He talks about life. Father, many of us, if not all of us, have been in the presence of physical death 
and we get sobered by that. We've been the deathbeds and seen people die. We've watched funerals, broken hearts. Father, we're not impressed and enthused when we see spiritual death. But Lord, what a blessing it is to have the new baby, have the cry of the infant. How wonderful it is to see people born again. Father, help us to bear fruit and manifest that eternal life, which is your life, was revealed in the Son and now is in us. Help us to prove we're born again. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Today in the Word radio podcast and one of five messages George Slavin presented during Moody Week at Gull Lake Bible Conference 1978. George Slavin was a Bible teacher and expositor and former pastor of Highland Park Baptist Church in Southfield, Michigan. Audio copies of this and many other messages from the podcast are available at moodyaudio.com. Today in the Word Radio is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of the Moody Bible Institute.